the D word. Sadly, this word comes into play more often than not inside of marriages. It's used as a means of coercion. It's used as a means of threat, but it shouldn't be. It shouldn't even be a part of the marriage. Today, we continue our series on the family, God's design for marriage and family next. Join us. From Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City, this is Graceful Truth. Hi there, and welcome to our time today with pastor and teacher Steve Converse. God's Design for Marriage and Family is the title of our series. Today, we'll take a look at some of the dangers and missteps when it comes to divorce. What does God say about divorce? Why should it be avoided, and how can we avoid it? Understanding what it really is and what our marriage really is is the subject that will answer those questions. Here's Pastor Steve now with more. Another distraction from the priority of marriage is general busyness. You know, sometimes, you know, whether, you know, and this is where I take my hats off to the ladies. You know, you talk to some of the wives in our, even in our church with kids, you know, it's, how was your week? Oh, it was good. You know, I had, well, I had the soccer thing, and then I did the laundry, and then you know, I cleaned the house, and then I went out to the basketball thing, and then I had softball. And I mean, it's like, whoa, you do all that stuff? Oh, yeah. And it goes up 10 times when school begins. You know, you think it'd be, it'd be a blessing, you know, the kids in, in, in class a couple hours a, a week or a couple hours a day, but sometimes it becomes even more busy then. And so general busyness, it doesn't mean those things are bad, but it even happens with church stuff. It even happens with church activities. It even happens in ministry. With You get so busy with ministry, you forget the God you're serving. And that's why it's, it's important to, you know, that's why we don't have Bible studies every night of the week. We have a Bible study on Wednesday night. We encourage you to come out. I mean, here in the Bay Area, it's hard even to do a Sunday night service. Some people say, why don't you do a Sunday night service? It's very easy. Nobody would come. I'd be here teaching to myself with maybe two or three people. Why? Because people are just too busy. I, that's just the way it is. It's sad, but it's, it's a reality of life. And so you have to stop and you have to realize general busyness can be a big distraction. You know, we're all busy. We all got things on our schedules, but we all got the same amount of time. We can choose not to be so busy. We can simplify our life. But whatever you do, don't sacrifice your marriage on the altar of busyness. Thirdly, the third distraction that keeps marriage from being the supreme relationship is, I'll just say it, in-laws. <laughs> in-laws. Uh, this is one of the top three counseling concerns when it comes to marriages. Um, and there are two really great dangers when it comes to in-laws. The first is just spending too much time with them. And not enough time with your spouse. The second thing is talking to your in-laws negatively about your spouse. That can definitely erode the priority of marriage in any relationship. You don't ever want to do that. So that being said, the last thing here is if you have children, <laughs> you understand this one. Uh, children can easily become a distraction to allowing you to have a good marriage. You say, well, wait a minute, there are children, exactly. But they can become a 
um, a very kind of energy-draining, time-draining pull on your lives to the point where you don't have anything left for your spouse. Why? Because of the the sheer noise level. I mean, when they don't get what they want, what happens? They, 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 they communicate it to you. They're giving you feedback. And it's easier just to say, oh, okay, we'll do this, we'll do that, we'll do this, we'll do that. And you placate your children rather than discipline your children, and you end up with kids that are running the home. And we'll be talking about that in a couple weeks, how that looks. I mean, when you think about it, it's basically the, the squeaky wheel gets the oil. And I think we could all agree that the children are the squeakiest of all. So, you know, as important as children are, and as important as we, that role we have to shepherd their little lives toward Christ, you have to remember they're only in our, harm, in our homes for about 18 years. That's it. Maybe a little longer, but usually that's about it. And then they're gone. So don't let your kids distract you from your marriage. I've seen so many couples, man, they spend all their time doting over their children. And then all of a sudden they wake up one day and all their children are gone. And they look at each other and go, who are you? (laughs) I don't even know you. And it ends in divorce. Because they're not willing to put the time in to make marriage the priority even when the children are in the home. Well, what are some, you know, practical ways then looking at the the flip side here, to continue to make your marriage a priority. Because we we, we want to make that. We We want our marriages to remain a priority. First of all, commit yourself to growing in your relationship with Christ. This is so important, and people overlook this. And this, this happens in marriages. Sometimes people are reading marriage books and counseling books more than they're reading the Bible. And you wonder why they got issues in their spiritual lives. You need to be committed to growing in your relationship with Christ. Commit yourself to do that. A good Christian marriage is based on a, a mutual walk with the Lord. You're going to see that in Ephesians 5 in a couple of weeks tells us about how wives would relate to their husbands, how husbands would relate to their wives. But it says basically there in Ephesians 5, be filled with the Spirit. Be continuously filled with the Spirit. Be controlled by God's Spirit, not your own selfish flesh. So if both of you are desiring to honor the Lord and honor his word, and you're growing closer to the Lord, I mean, you know, it's kind of like two sides of a triangle. As people grow closer to the Lord, they grow closer to each other. That's really what happens. Well, the second practical way you can make your marriage a priority is to develop a we mindset. We, we mindset. Now, I, most of us don't have a problem having a me mindset, but we need to develop a we mindset. And I'm so blessed sometimes when I'll ask some of the guys in the church, hey, you want to do this, you want to do that? And sometimes I'll say, well, let me check with my wife. That's not a, you know, mamby-pamby thing to do. That's a wise thing to do. That's, that's letting them know that, hey, well, wait a minute. I do have a relationship that's more important than having lunch with you. <laughs> and that's my wife. Nothing wrong with that. And so we need to be aware of that. Now, on the other hand, I've seen some relationships between a husband and a wife where, unfortunately, the man takes no leadership whatsoever and the woman, you know, runs over him with the, the treads of her souls every day. 
and the poor guy's beaten down so much, you know, he couldn't even raise his hand. That's not good either. So you have to really have that balance, that we mindset. Thirdly, spend time together. That's kind of obvious, spend time together. I mean, it doesn't have to be, you know, it can be doing whatever you want to do together. Some of you like to hike. We'll go hike together. Some of you like to go out on boats or go out fishing or sit in front of the TV. Whatever you want to do together. There's no rhyme or reason to it, but spend time together and make it a priority. Just yesterday, we went over to, we drove over to Oakland. My wife wanted to get some stuff at this uh, kind of Indian marketplace over there. Trinidad. Jamaican kind of stuff. Had all kinds of interesting food in there, let me tell you. But, uh, um, I mean, they had these, these fish in this, like, barrel. I walked over. I thought it was like a, a, like a weed or something, right? I pick it up. I'm, I asked the guy I was wearing, what's this thing? He goes, oh, that's, that's salt fish. That's a whole cod fish. He goes, that's very expensive. That's like $60. And I put it down. I'm like, that $60 looks like a rotted, dried up piece of dead fish you'd find on a beach somewhere. Oh, no, this is, this is really good. And he told me how you prepare it and everything. And I thought, wow. You know, I learned a bunch of things. But we, we spent a couple hours over there. And we went to a little restaurant afterwards. And now, let me tell you. You know, it was, I didn't wake up Saturday morning going, hey, dear, can we go to the Trinidad place over in Oakland, of all places, and, and let's, let's spend the time, you know, smelling these fish and doing this. That, that wasn't even on my radar. Okay. So, but we did. We spent time together. We had a, I think we had a good time. We had a good time together. And so it takes effort to do that, especially for guys. Well, there's a third fundamental Biblical conviction here about marriage. We need to understand not only does marriage have a divine purpose, not only should it be our greatest priority, but thirdly, it has an inherent permanence. This is so important. Marriage has an inherent permanence. Look at verse 24. It says, For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother and shall be joined to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. See, not only is this new relationship of marriage superior in kind, but it also is superior in permanence. The Lord uses terms here, the terms forsake and be joined in the context of a covenantal relationship with Israel. That's really what he's doing. It suggests that God sets our marriages as covenants. That's why we call it the covenant of marriage. He states it very specifically. Look over in in Malachi the end of the Old Testament there, Malachi chapter 2. Malachi chapter 2. Now, this is speaking of God's ideal, okay, the permanence of marriage. Now, obviously, in a fallen world, you're going to have divorce. You're going to have people to separate from their marriage. Okay, that's where God's grace, that's where God's mercy comes in. Sometimes those relationships are restored. Some of them shouldn't be restored, frankly. And the Bible in Corinthians even gives us some guidelines on that, and we'll be looking at that in the, when we get back in the First Corinthians. But um, here in Malachi, it tells us here in, in chapter 2, verse 13, it says, and the second thing you do, you cover, um, you, you, you cover 
the Lord's altar with tears, with weeping and groaning, because he no longer regards the offspring or accepts it with the favor of your hand. And he says there in verse 14, well, why, why doesn't God accept my offering? Why does he not? Because the Lord was witness between you and your wife of your youth, to whom you have been faithless, though she is your companion and your wife by covenant. Did he not make them one with a portion of the Spirit in their union? And what was the one God seeking? God's godly offspring. So guard your, yourselves in your spirit and let none of you be faithless to your wife of your youth. For the man who does not love his wife but divorces her, says the Lord, the God of Israel, covers his, uh, his garment with violence, says the Lord of hosts. So guard yourselves in your spirit and do not be faithless. What's he saying? He's saying that marriage means something. Marriage is a priority. It has a, permanent, a permanence to it. Um, now, God's very clear about the issue of hating the separation of marriage, about what God has joined together. In Mark 6, um, or Mark, Mark 10, 6, uh, Jesus said this, from the beginning of creation, God made them male and female. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and his mother, and the two shall become one flesh. There it is, one flesh. They become one flesh. And then he says down in verse 9, therefore, what God has joined together, what's it say? Let no man separate. That, 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 that's the, the permanent bond of marriage in the New Testament. In Romans chapter 7, verse 2, it says, the married woman is bound by law to her husband while he is living. And only if she dies is she released. In 1 Corinthians 7.39, it says, the wife is bound as long as her husband lives. So, you know, sticking with your spouse is not about your feelings. You know, I've counseled couples over the years, and, well, we, we just feel God wants, you to get a divorce, wants to, uh, us to get a divorce. And my answer is always the same. You know, I really don't care what you feel. Well, what do you mean? We, we don't feel we love each other. I don't care. It's irrelevant. Are you married or not? Well, yeah. Well, then you just need to be obedient. The feelings that come, if you just simply obey, it's about commitment. It's about promises. It's not about some animal magnetism you have for each other. See, and that's, we think that somehow divorce is going to settle all that. No, it won't. It won't. Now, does divorce happen? Sure, it does. It's a tragedy. And sometimes, frankly, biblically, there's a reason for divorce. And we'll be talking about that in, in our studies. But it's not God's ideal. So pursuing divorce so that you can discover some kind of inner peace or self-fulfillment is, is not only unbiblical, but it's just plain contrary to the fact of Scripture. There was a report out called, Does Divorce Make People Happy? 
and they examined all this data. They examined 5,232 married adults. They interviewed them in the, the late, back in the 80s. 645 of those 5,200 reported being unhappily married. First of all, that's encouraging that the number wasn't higher than that, but the truth is only 645 of the 5,200 reported that they were unhappily married. Five years later, they interviewed these people again. In that five-year span, some of these people who were so unhappily married had separated. Others had divorced. Others had divorced and remarried, and others had stayed together. The results were astounding. Of those who said their marriages were unhappy, they were unhappily married. Two-thirds of those who stayed married said five years later they were actually happy. That's two-thirds. In some cases, the issues here were serious issues. And of those who were rated their marriages being unhappy but stayed together, nearly 80% consider themselves happily married and much happier five years later. So, you know, marriage is meant to be permanent. Marriage is meant to be something that lasts at least as long as we're here on this face of this earth. It's not about how you feel toward one another. It's about being obedient to the vows that you made and getting the help if you need it in your, in your marital relationship, get the help you need. There's nothing wrong with going to a biblical counselor every couple years as a couple just to make sure there's no issues going on. Nothing wrong with that at all. Usually biblical counseling's free. You know, it's, it's better to talk about the, the issues before they become serious issues than to just kind of turn a blind eye to them. Well, a couple things here, a couple practical ideas for making your marriage permanent. First of all, take your marriage covenant seriously. Take your marriage covenant seriously. You made a legal binding promise on the day that you were married. God takes it seriously. You better. Christ said, what God hath joined together, let no man separate. Secondly, this is just a practical thing that, that when it comes to, to counseling. Don't threaten divorce when you're in that heated argument. Don't, don't use the D word. It's just not a good thing, no, not a good place to go. Um, because you're, you're showing when you do that, you're really not valuing marriage as God values it. Thirdly, don't make or stay friends with those who take divorce lightly. There's some people who don't hold their marriage near and dear and that they don't really care. And, uh, you know, be careful the company you keep because their ideology become your ideology very quickly. Number four, don't let conflict remain unresolved. Uh, Paul says, don't let the, the sun go down on your wrath. We'll be talking about that in the coming weeks. But, you know, as, as much as you can handle it, don't go to bed angry at each other. It's just not worth it. It's not worth it. Number five, build hedges to protect your marriage. Build hedges. What do you mean? Well, you know, there's some very basic things. Men, 
as much as you can avoid it, try not to be alone with another female who's not your wife. That's just not real smart, especially on an ongoing basis. I remember when we were looking for a possibly getting me a secretary here and in the elders meeting, I said, well, you know, yeah, and Bika's willing to do that. And uh, someone mentioned, well, shouldn't we take applications for that, for that uh, position? I said, what do you mean? I said, I'm not spending any time down here with anybody other than my wife for eight, 12 hours a day alone. Are you serious? Oh, that's a good idea. <laughs> yeah, definitely a good idea. You got to build those kind of hedges into your, into your marriage. There's a guy by the name of Benjamin Breckenridge Warfield, B.B. Warfield, he's known by. For almost 34 years, B.B. Warfield taught at Princeton Theological Seminary. He was a world-renowned theologian. In fact, all of his books are still in print. A lot of people don't know this about B.B. Warfield, is that at the age of 25, he married Annie Pierce Kincaid. And for their honeymoon, they went to Germany in just a few weeks after, after their wedding. And she found herself caught in the midst of a terribly fierce uh, storm. Lightning struck her, but it didn't take her life. It simply paralyzed her for the rest of her life. For the next 39 years, Warfield patiently cared for Annie until her death in 1915. Because of her extraordinary needs, Warfield seldom left his home for more than two hours at a time during all those years of marriage. He loved her, he cared for her deeply with all of his heart. I pray that as B.B. Warfield cared for his wife, that God would make it possible for our husbands to care for their wives. May God help us to follow his example and keep ourselves faithful until death. Father, we thank you for your wonderful gift of marriage. Thank you for your wisdom. Thank you for your word. Lord, we ask for your forgiveness as your children for sinning against you and even our own spouses at times by following our own wisdom, following our own wants, our own desires. Help us to commit ourselves to following you as the pattern that you've laid down in Genesis. Lord, I pray today for the person who may not be in Christ. Your word is powerful. You can bring conviction on the human heart. I pray today that there would be a day that they would come to know Christ. That you would draw them to yourself. Show them their need of a Savior in the midst of their sin. Help our marriages to be strong and to be honoring to you. We thank you. Pray our, your blessing upon our fellowship time and our food across the way after our service today. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' precious name. All God's people said, amen. Even when we follow Jesus faithfully, unexpected storms will always be around. But we do serve the author and finisher of our faith and all that we know and see that is tangibly in front of us, the God of this universe. 
We are out of time today. We'll close out our program here and remind you that, as always, you're welcome to reach out to us either through our website or by simply giving us a call here at Graceful Truth. The easiest way to get in touch with us would, of course, be through our website, gracefultruth.org. That's gracefultruth.org. Always reach out to us by phone, if you wish, at 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. You can also download our app. Simply Google Grace Bible Church Redwood City or follow the link off of our website, gracefultruth.org. As these are uncertain times, and we find ourselves wondering just what kind of freedoms to expect tomorrow, we would invite you to visit our website, gracefultruth.org. It's there that you'll be able to learn about the updates when we will get together as a congregation here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City, and what we'll be doing in the meantime. Again, you'll find that information at gracefultruth.org or gracebibleonline.org. Either one of those websites will provide you with the added resources to continue to feed your soul during these challenging times. And in the meantime, would you continue to pray, not only for us, but other churches here in the Bay Area, and pray that we would find ourselves in every opportunity giving an answer for the hope that lies within us in these seemingly hopeless times. Thank you again for spending time with us here on Graceful Truth. And until next week, God bless. Graceful Truth is the ministry of Grace Bible Church in Redwood City.